Welcome to the Intellectual Freedom Podcast, where the political, cultural, technological, and other influential forces of social and mass media are analyzed under the light of critical thinking. You will not find extremist dogma, political partisanship, or herd groupthink here. I won't attempt to convince you of anything. I want to take an unflinching look at complex, hard topics intellectually. In the end, I don't care what you think, just that you think critically, as this allows you to unleash your own intellectual freedom and creativity in how you view the world you live. I am Dr. David Hopkins, adjunct professor of the humanities, your guide on this journey. But enough with the introduction, let's get started. Social media and the internet has changed for the worse the way Americans are communicating. The language of discourse and the debate has degraded so severely in the last decade, in many ways it's not even recognizable from even 10 years ago. Politicians, cable news activists, oh, I mean those reporters and anchors, are quote-unquote role models often behave worse than our children. I pulled some examples just randomly one day from a couple of different discussion forums to do some research. The The term itself, discussion forum, is almost laughable as, as there really is no discussion beyond condescending, mean-spirited, holier-than-thou, I'm-smarter-than-you blowhard, giving these bizarre mean-spirited Shakespearean soliloquies about how how in the world could society be so dumb, yet they, the author of this amazing discussion forum post, is so incredibly smart. The name-calling or the ha-ha-ha, I found another way to call a liberal a terrible name, or ha-ha-ha, I found a new way to mock a Trump supporter. It really is sad to even call it communication. But hey, it's 2020, and this is where we're at. So here's some lovely exchanges for us just to to roll through here. A poster by the name of Bladstein in a liberal blog said about the upcoming election, quote, Cry some more. You're going to get your ass kicked, end quote. BLP said about Trump supporters, quote, As disgusting as he is, those that support him are even worse, end quote. NY Cab J said about Trump and his son's support of the president on social media, quote, So far he's done nothing more than prove that we have an infantile racist in chief in the White House, end quote. And he continues on and says his idiot sons should be banned by social media. DDR said about Trump, quote, He hates the women he molested. He hates all women, end quote. Archangel 1AZ said on a post questioning how Obama had hurt race relations over the year, quote, If you can't see what was obvious, then why would anyone waste their time telling you? You have your mindset, so why even bother, end quote. Dr. Farange says about white liberals, quote, you liberal, woke, white morons can't bend over far enough to reward people who take no responsibilities for their own actions. 
White woke idiots, that's my take. J.S. Burke said, quote, The Democrats and never Trumpers have been soiling their diapers and flinging the contents around the country since the very moment the 2016 election was called for President Trump. Brain-dead children like you would rather see the whole country go up in flames than have President Trump succeed. So take your noxious nonsense to some other site where it will get the lip-puckering accolades you believe you deserve, end quote. Hobart Neck said, quote, If you had the skill, if only you had the skills to shut the fuck up and listen to the man, America would be great again. But no, your head is so deeply buried up your butt, America is falling apart. Your fault, not his, end quote. Okay, so I need to digress just for one second here after reading these ridiculous posts or ridiculous attempts at communication. I wonder, first, what would make grown adults become so angry to speak so terribly about people they don't even know or the office of the president in general. I wonder sometimes is is this just the keyboard warrior anonymity of the internet coming out where where they get this I don't know mental relief simply spewing anger and somehow they feel better about it. I would almost guarantee any of these people on the far left or the far right who I quoted here would would never talk this way across the table from the other person maybe it's just kind of that mob mentality how people are so easily influenced in their filter bubbles by peers to adopt certain behaviors on a largely emotional rather than rational basis it seems in reading through the forums as i was trying to put together my thoughts on this podcast, that mob mentality almost goads people to be as outlandish as possible. And I have to believe that that they may take different decisions than they would have individually. Or maybe it's just blow-off release. I don't know. Maybe it's just they think it's funny or they find some comfort in being surrounded by people who act that way and mock other people that are different from the group mindset. I, I wish in all honesty, I, I understood. I, I could grasp more easily why people post in these things where there's almost no way to reconcile one side with the other, or even, even hold a civil conversation. But let me shift the topic a bit and how deceitful and shrewd the owners of these online websites cable tv actually are in a perverse way i'm actually very impressed by these quote-unquote news sources online and cable tv and talk radio i wonder if the forum posters or the millions of others who respond daily and and scroll through endless posts of of the nature that i i read off fully understand how much they are being played by the media complex for money. You know, if I if I wanted to just make a lot of money, I would kind of go through this process. I would and finally I would find me an intensely emotional demographic on some emotional topic. I would then start a blog, a website, a news feed. Uh, find I would find and I'd search for the most outlandish 
off the wall topics and news. And then I would throw in there and lather it with really intense and emotional opinion. And, you know, like gas to a fire, boom, an explosion occurs. Just like all these comments come from a very liberal blog and a very conservative website. Uh, like, Like bugs to a bug zapper. People are drawn into these communities. You know, they find your demographic, publish that highest drama that I could find the the most hyperbole that I could even come up with and and give give my audience a chance to just comment and voila you get the type of communication I just read yet I have to believe most people want more than this kind of garbage that they get bored and they get tired of the screeching, screaming, name-calling. So I think it's important for us to remember how we actually do communicate effectively because it still is possible. Because when we learn to communicate effectively, not only does it allow us to become wiser, more intellectual, and more discerning, but it also helps us identify and filter out those those more interested in hyperventilating and pontificating than actually communicating. The early Greeks, they had this magnificent philosophy, and it's really embodied in three sequentially arranged words. And that's what I want to focus on here. Ethos, pathos, and logos. I mean, you may have remember these terms from college at some point these are not some obscure ideas and and they're taught quite frequently it's just as we get out in the real world a lot of times we just forget about them and you know more importantly than the definitions themselves is almost the sequence in which you use them in communication that the real power is located you know if we follow one two three In these three things, we can literally cut to the essence of interacting and and engaging with others. At the core of the concept of putting uh, full effort first into trying to understand and then secondly, communicating your own perspective. I want to say that one more time. The most important thing is putting full effort first at trying to understand the other side and then communicating your perspective. This helps slash the hot-headed emotion out of all your interactions with people that that we do not necessarily agree with. With that family member, Thanksgiving's going to be here before we even know it. And when you're sitting around the holiday dinner table and that, that aunt, that uncle, that brother, that sister that's always all full of emotion and and hot air and, and fully ready to engage in argument. Remember that if you follow these things, it helps slash out that hot-headed emotion. So let's talk about the first step is ethos. And and I'm going to generalize here a definition of ethos, but really what it comes down to in many ways is it's just your character. And it's used to describe those guiding beliefs or ideals that characterize your personal credibility, the faith people have in your integrity and your competency. It's it's the trust that you inspire. 
if you ever hope to have a meaningful conversation of any depth, the person or persons you are communicating with have to actually trust that you want to have a meaningful dialogue instead of just yelling, screaming, nasty fest of name calling. We almost always online, we fail at this very basic level because as we go online and as we engage in discussion forms as we engage in you know postings on Facebook or wherever you may run across them see if there isn't a trust in the character the integrity that the person you're responding to actually wants to have a meaningful dialogue you failed before you've even started. And so if you can't even establish ethos in any way, shape, or form, you may need to consider whether it's even worth it to go ahead and continue the conversation. You ever heard that little saying, <laughs> think before you hit send, well, or think before you post, this ethos concept is critical if you truly want to have a meaningful dialogue because if you don't establish that initial credibility that faith that that the person you're going to engage with knows that you actually want to engage with them in a meaningful dialogue instead of just a yell scream let's let's give each other i get a point because i made fun of him or they get a point because they said something that works you know that that will never lead to a meaningful dialogue. So that's the first step. The second step is called pathos. And that's your empathetic side. It's the feeling. It, it means that you are in alignment with the emotional thrust of another person's communication. That you truly want to understand. It is that emotional appeal to the other side. I think too often this is simplified to persuading them, that the, that the goal is persuading. But in reality, when we look at pathos, it's, it's deeper. It's, it's showing that level of empathy, the, the human capacity to understand or feel what another person is experiencing. Or at least, if you can't get that far, at least showing a true willingness to try from within there from within your own frame of reference you know when when you can place yourself into another another person's position and understand it your level of perception skyrockets and with this knowledge you then can move to the final stage of communication logos and this is that logic the reasoning part of the presentation. This is that left brain presentation of arguments, of ideas, logically, sequentially, and without emotion. You know, in what we usually tend to do is we go right to the argument itself, which is actually 100% wrong. See, the problem is in going right to the logos or the logic is if, if you have not established trust with that person you're attempting to convince, 
you're never going to convince them because that person doesn't trust you. Put that in your own perspective in your own life. Do you ever change your position on something when somebody talks to you about it that you about a about a topic of whatever sort but you don't really trust that person would you ever believe them and change your opinion of course you wouldn't do that so your ethos or your character has to be established first but you say how in the world can i establish ethos and especially in an online world, is that even possible? And the answer is yes. Yes, you can do it. And the way that you establish your ethos is your pathos. Once the ethos and a pathos are established, now the logos, the actual rational intellectual discussion, it can occur and a truly meaningful dialogue happens. The reason we don't see a meaningful dialogue anymore is is that there is no trust and there's no empathy established in the discussion. So thus it very quickly often devolves into like those examples I gave you, name calling, nasty sniping back and forth, or people just saying, shut up, I don't even want to listen to you. But before I progress further, Let's just go back. So I said you have to establish ethos and the way you do that is through pathos. It comes across loud and clear when you openly say, hey, I don't get your position. Can you explain that to me further? Or wow, I that must be really hard when you're going through this. It, I, it Help me understand this better. It doesn't have to be grand, grandiose things, but just common human decency because if you want to come across as somebody who truly wants to understand that you will actually listen actually consider and actually attempt to empathize with those that you do not agree then you begin to build up ethos and pathos and now you're then on the road to a meaningful communication in society today Assuming they don't immediately fall into a plethora of fallacies in reasoning, like name calling, either or logic or straw man arguments. And, you know, wow, as I even say this, I think I need an entire podcast on politicians and these fallacies in reasoning as as they go deep here. You can always research fallacies in reason in fallacies in reasoning and and you can see where the logos breaks down and in a number of different things but but in you know we just tend to go straight to the logos for the ideas and you know they try to convince people other people of the validity of that logic without first taking those purely human important steps because that first step of ethos that's you internally that's your character that's who you are deep and then you combine it with pathos that ability to demonstrate to others around you empathy you got to have those two things and and it can almost never work if you don't funny how we keep banging our head against the wall doing the same thing over and over expecting a different result 
going right to the logos and saying, well, it's a logical argument. Obviously, it's a logical argument. Why don't you get it? You need to get it. It's just it's just blatant. You, what are you, ignorant? What are you, stupid? It can just see how that can just devolve into just terrible things right away. And, and, the, and the communication just almost instantaneously breaks down. The most important thing humans do in life is communicate. We literally spend almost all of our waking hours doing this. We're either speaking, we're writing, we're listening. We are always communicating verbally. Music is a form of communication. Uh, It's just what we do. We communicate. We express ourselves. But we're getting less and less effective at it. And if we think about it, we have spent years learning how to read and write, years learning how to speak. But what about the most effective, important communication skill to establish both ethos and pathos? We almost never study it. And that skill is listening. What training or education have you ever had that enables you to listen so that you really deeply understand another human being from the individual's own frame of reference. Very, very few people have had any training in listening at all. Maybe psychologists or counselors, you know, uh, managers sometimes will have communication skills workshops. But for the bulk of us, we're never really taught how to listen well. You know, it's ironic. I've been in higher education and communication is literally about all I do. I can't recall a single class where I was really taught how to communicate effectively. You know, we all took public speaking or mass communication, but really that skill of listening is not one that we get very often. You know, how people perceive you And how you think will change dramatically if you just seek first to understand. And the only way you can learn and the only way you can understand someone is through listening to them. Most of us, myself included, I'm as guilty as anybody else, I seek first to be understood. You know, especially as a college professor, that I spend my days lecturing. Uh, communicating and almost always I seek first to be understood and that's so wrong and I have to challenge myself constantly to try and listen better you know most of us we we don't listen with the intent to understand we listen with the intent to reply you know as soon as a student brings a problem or question to me About halfway through their explanation, having taught college for so many years, I pretty much assume, uh, and I have to bite my tongue uh, to not just interject interject to them in the middle of their conversation and say, oh, oh, I got that. I, I understand completely. So here's what you need to do. You know, I do this. College professors do this. Managers do this. Spouses do this to each other. We're... Those of you that are married have significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. Uh, we tend to cut people off and just, okay, okay, I got it. Parents do this to their kids a lot. I mean, it is a very hard thing for us to just 
shut up and listen. And, you know, when we don't listen first, everything filters through our own personal experiences. We are in we are in essence are, are reading our own autobiog- autobiography into their lives, whether the narrative actually fits the situation or not. As you saw with those online forum posts, they're filled with their own rightness, their own autobiography, their own perceptions, and they so desperately want others to understand them. Well, here's the newsflash for all of those posts I cited and the millions other out there. The other side wants exactly the same thing from you. But when neither side trusts the other side and they sense that the other side has no empathy, no collective desire to really understand... Then the conversation becomes this collective set of monologues, oftentimes incredibly angry monologues. And we never really understand what's going on on inside of another human being. And then out come the knives. The other side immediately becomes idiots, morons, racists, fascists, Nazis, I I mean, that has to be the case, right? The reason they fall into these conclusions on other people they don't even know and who don't agree with them is they don't have any empathy. There's no trust, and they simply refuse to listen. Like the one post said, I don't even want to hear you. Go away. This is infantile communication that should be in the realm of five-year-olds. You may say, but oh, how can I have a dialogue with, with someone that has such an ignorant perspective or such a different perspective than what I have? What you may need to ask is, do you actually believe the individual is mentally incompetent, clinically speaking? Or could it possibly be you have never truly been able to listen and attempt to show empathy to the person that you say is completely clueless, ignorant, crazy? Could it be your lack of understanding is so low that you have declared somebody who doesn't think like you as mentally incompetent? In making wild claims of the other side being insane or racist or Nazi, who really is the mentally unstable side? When you see people dialoguing in that manner, online especially, maybe the best course of action is to just stay away from it because it's not possible to have a coherent conversation with an individual who literally refuses to number one have the character to want to learn and then number two having the empathy to try and understand the other side you're always going to be frustrated you're always going to be upset you're always going to be stressed out over it 
So, so let's think about listening for just a minute because we don't spend a lot of time and most of us have never truly studied it. Let's just look at listening because there's really four different levels to listening. And, and let's talk about from the least effective to the most effective. The, the first one is just ignoring the other person. This is the, actually the, the most common one that we see online. When someone attempts to communicate a position and opinion uh, that, that doesn't immediately match your opinion or another's opinion, you just shout them out, shut them down, cancel them, tell them to go away, stop trolling. You know, in our online world of social media, the most common form of communication from anyone we do not agree with is now to ignore them. And the scary thing is this is transcending just online. We're seeing this now in real life where people will literally ignore someone and not associate with someone who holds up an opinion on something. This is dangerous and this is scary and this is very bad. So the lowest form of listening, if we can even call it that, is just ignoring the person. The second type of listening is called selective listening. And here we you, we will hear parts of a conversation, especially those parts we agree with. But if we don't agree and we don't really want to hear their perspective, you often listen. But really, you've kind of tuned them out. That's those moments when you're like, yeah, uh-huh, sure, right, yeah, whatever. You, you acknowledge that that you're in the presence of them. Uh, But in essence, you're not really giving them the full attention to be able to understand them deeply. You're just filter feeding through what works for you and discarding what doesn't. The third type of is active listening. And at this level, we're approaching a deeper level of communication as here. We are engaged. We're focused. uh, We're ensuring you, we're understanding what someone stay, says with statements like, um, if I understand what you're saying, is that fill in the blank? Or maybe you're mimicking their body language or maintaining positive eye contact. You're acknowledging the speaker. Uh, this is all great. It's well. It's good. It's functionally effective. But is it really touching an attempt to deeply understand the person? Or are you just regurgitating your communication class textbook techniques? Usually a person can see through this. It's much, much better than the first two. Don't get me wrong. And if you can get to active learning, you're you're well above, above most people. But it's far from perfect. If you really want to hit kind of that nirvana of communication where true communication and connection occurs, it's something called empathetic listening. And this is where you're listening with intent to understand the person, not just the logos or the logic behind it. It's literally you're trying to walk a mile in their shoes and to appreciate their position from a personal level beyond the logos, beyond the logic. But you're really trying to make a deep-seated connection with the person. And here... You're seeking first to understand and then to then to allow yourself to be understood. You know, 
outside of your personal circle of friends and families, I get it. It's really hard to become an empathetic listener, but we can do this. When we hear stories of deep tragedy and loss, and you don't know that person, and but you read that story, watch that documentary or a news broadcast, and 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 you hear it, you have the ability to feel a profound emotional empathy for other human beings you don't know. It can happen. It isn't easy, but it is possible. It's important we understand empathy, though. It, it's not sympathy. There, there isn't anything wrong with showing sympathy as many times it's completely appropriate to do so. However, in communication, sympathy can often be manipulated and, and can actually turn into some sort of an ugly codependent that people feed on or maybe even use it as a, a technique to change your opinion. You know, in empathetic listening, you definitely, you don't have to agree with the person, yet you fully and deeply understand that person emotionally as well as intellectually. So empathetic listening, you don't necessarily have to agree, but you do fully and deeply understand the person. Here's a hypothetical example. You know, let's just assume I run across a mother who lost her child to a school shooting. She vehemently believes we must have stricter gun control laws. She can cite the rise of shootings, the fact that semi-automatic weapons have no place in modern hunting or sports, Background checks simply are not sufficient, and thus the way to end violence is end gun possession. We all know the arguments for for gun control. Now, I can agree, disagree with the stance using logos, just as she did, of guns, you know, don't kill people. People kill people, and millions of gun owners never shoot anyone. Um, evil or sick people are the ones that shoot people. And then of course I could cite second amendment rights that were granted in the constitution. And I mean, we could discuss self-defense and how responsible gun ownerships look like, blah, blah, blah. We, we could have that conversation. However, in this, in the end of this hypothetical situation, let's assume we both are very stringently on either side and, and we can't reach an agreement yet. Wow. Can I completely empathize with her? You know, having children myself, I can't fathom the depths of pain she must have felt when she found out her child was murdered. I can feel that profoundly and deeply. My my intellect and, and my emotion can just, my heart can break for that person. And I can totally understand how she could arrive at that decision based on the things that she had been through yet it doesn't mean i have to agree with her but i do completely respect her opinion see the logos or the rational arguments in effective communication are always connected to the pathos 
the emotions and the empathy, which then in turn demonstrate ethos, character, and trust. That I wasn't dismissive of her, not condescending, not toughen up and deal with it, but rather the discussion is laced with rational analysis and empathy and consideration of the situation. And that is what leads to trust. And that is what leads to a meaningful conversation. See, empathetic listening is so powerful because it opens the doors to hear not just the logical arguments of the other side, but you're truly attempting to be empathetic and understand them on a human level. Their, their human life experience, all of us want to be understood at a deeply human level. But like as I started this entire podcast, those people and those posted, they completely, utterly missed the mark. All of them did. So I challenge you, instead of projecting your own assumptions and experiences and assuming the thoughts, feelings, motives, interpretation of other people you're dealing with, you need to try and go deeper. You need to try and get to their, through their head, to their heart, and you're listening to understand. You're not listening for the chance to give your own opinion. You become focused on receiving the deep communication of another human soul. Can you even imagine what the United States of America, online in our social media platforms, in politics and media and personal engagements, if everybody exercised empathetic listening all the time? I mean, the country would be completely revolutionized. The untapped potential would be beyond grand. Anger would fall. Stress would fall. Violence would fall. Bullying would end. Nearly all forms of hatred and racism would be gone. Is this a pipe dream? Yeah, well, probably it is. Probably it is. But it doesn't mean you and I. And those around us that we have communication with, that we can't begin to influence and bring as many people along the journey to true intellectual freedom through simply listening and communicating effectively. We don't have to be like the nasty politicians. We don't have to be like the bobblehead cable news anchors. We don't have to be like these jerks that are online that are just spewing hate constantly and slinging names at other people without even knowing them at all. We don't have to be like that. And if we change to empathetic listeners and those around us start to see us change, they may start to change and then they may start to influence others and so on and so forth. It could make a huge difference, but we gotta we gotta put the brakes on the path that we've been going on. So seeking first to understand before we jump into getting our point across is hard. It's so much easier to plead, beg, cajole, coerce, or pressure other people to to change their position. Uh, you know, here's the logic of it all. 
voila, don't you see it? Don't you see it? Oh, you don't get it? Well, then you must be a racist, a sexist, an idiot, or have a brain deficiency because obviously I'm right and smart and great and, well, you're not. How often do we go down this road? You and I need to stop it in our own lives and those around us. Empathetic listening is not hard, but it is risky. You and I have to be really secure in ourselves to go into a deep listening experience because we open ourselves up to be influenced. We become vulnerable. You know, it's actually a paradox in a sense because in order to have influence, you have to be influenced. That means you means you have to really have empathy and understanding. Yet it's so much safer to be superficial and loud and blame others on disagreement. It, it, it's the child's way out. It's the less wise, it's the less intelligent way. No matter what our politicians and cable news activists, I mean those reporters, try to tell us. If we really seek to understand without hypocrisy, without guile, there will be times when we will be literally stunned with the pure knowledge and understanding that can flow from someone else back to us from another human being. You know, I challenge you and I challenge myself to elevate our communication back to a higher standard. We can do this. It's slow and it's individual, but it's not impossible and we can get back some of what we've lost over the last decade or so from the internet and online social media. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you found value. The discussion on this topic and many others will continue in our private forums. I personally will be joining you over there. If you're not a member yet and looking for a community online that is very different, go to www.daviddhopkins.com. That's www.daviddhopkins.com. Follow the links and you can join us. The best way to expand intellectually is to engage in real dialogue in a way that fosters growth, understanding, and rigorous discussion without the name-calling, the demagoguery, and flame-throwing silliness of social media and the rest of the online open forums. This is what the private forum will provide for you, a safe environment to have an open, honest dialogue. I would love to see you join. Until the next podcast, all my very best to you and your family.